Is it ready? Okay. Uh, yeah, we're ready. Then base someone up. No. Uh oh. Hey, you hear me? Yep. Yeah, we can hear you now. Okay. Um, is Ken, did Ken come on also? Uh, I think so. I mean, someone called in. We were not going to stand yeah. around. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Oh, okay, hey, Ken. Okay, good. Okay. Okay, so, um, so Nun Beis of an Aleph in Sukkah. So there's various Gemaras about um, the Yetzirah. Okay, it comes up... Um, Comes up in a funny way, whatever. It's and keeping the men and the women separate. But in passing, it kind of touches on the Yitzhahara, and then it kind of gets into talking about the Yitzhahara and various, various things about the Yitzhahara. So um, there's some interesting Gemaras there, some of which, I'm not sure how far we're going to end up getting, but some of which my father, Avi Mori, gave a share about, but um, about the different names the Yitzhahara is called. But I don't know if we're going to quite get there today. We'll see. So basically, the Gemara is talking about how it posts against Zechariah. Talking about in the future, loss at level, there's going to be some sort of a great eulogy, a hesped. And it's not clear. The Gemara wants to know what's the hesped for? Is the hesped for Mashiach ben Yosef? Or is the hesped for the Yetzahara? Because loss at Hashem is going to, I guess, kill the Yetzahara. And there's going to be some sort of a hesped. And the Gemara wants to know what, why is there a hesped for killing the Yetzahara? Shouldn't there be like a Simcha? Right, so the Gemara is, uh, if you look, it starts like uh, maybe to 15 lines down. I'm just jumping in the middle a little bit, but it says, The one who says that it's on the Yetzirah, the husband is for the Yetzirah who is killed. Um, the husband is supposed to make simcha by the Mavid. Why would you make it? You think you'd want to make a simcha? Am I Bachu? So why are they crying? What's the point of crying for the basically the Yitzhara being destroyed? Right? Okay. So it says, right. So it says, Kedadarash of Yehuda. The Asid Lavo, Mevio Kashbachal Yitzhara. So the Asid Lavo, the Hashem is going to bring the Yitzhara, Vishokha Tobifnea Tzadikim, Ubifnea Rashaim. He's going to shacht it in front of the Tzadikim and the Rashaim. Tzadikim Nidmalahem Kehar Gavoha. So the tzaddikim, to the tzaddikim, the Yitzhahara, the dead Yitzhahara is going to look like a high mountain. And the Rishayim, again, it's going to look like a string, like a hair's breath. They're both crying. The tzaddikim are crying and saying, How could we possibly conquer? How could we have conquered this uh, high mountain like this? And the uh, the, the Rishon are saying, how could we not have conquered, right? Uh, such a, uh, a flimsy enemy. That's like a like a chutzasira, right? So it's like again, lost Lavo, It's again the Yitzhar is going to be destroyed, and it's going to appear somehow different. The Sadikim are going to look at it as this big mountain, and they're going to be crying and say, "Wow, how could we have destroyed such a great enemy? It's this terrible enemy." And the Rishayim are going to look at it as a chutzasira, like a little string, hair's breath, and say, "Oh, they're crying. How is it that we failed? That we weren't able to conquer this little flimsy, uh, measly enemy?" Okay, so um, so if someone could read Rashi's. There's a Rashi on the on the Sadiqim, I think, on the Rishayim also. So I want to check that out. Well, yeah. Sadiqim Yeah. The Rashi says the tzaddik and bochim shenitzkarim b'tzaram shahaya lahem lichbosh harasha hazeh bechayem. Right. We recognize the um, pain that yeah right like so much more for them to overcome in their life. Right. That they right they're remembering the tsar that they had to conquer this Russia in their lives. Right. That's what, they're, that's what they're crying about. They're crying in memory. They remember the tsar that they had in, in overcoming this enemy. And it's like they're reminiscing, thinking back to all the pain they had in overcoming this formidable enemy. Right? That's, that's what, why the tzaddikim are crying. Okay? And uh, is there Rashi on the next one? Mm, I don't see, no. No? It's the next Rashi. 
The last one is Kiyi Pele. Uh, no, no, no. Okay. And what's the Rashi before that one? Uh, the Rashi before that is Visoftu Alav Kim Mesbid Al Hayachi. That's it. No, that's okay. Forget it. Okay, good. Okay, so so what do you guys have? Any questions on this? Any questions? Like uh, like on the whole like on the whole thing? Yeah, I guess so. Oh, sure. Uh, what does it mean that God's gonna kill the Itahara? All right, so that's a kind of sad. I think it was quoted like uh, there's the, maybe the Rashi earlier on that, right? The stuff too. Maybe I want to read that Rashi. Can miss, um, it talks about how the, ultimately there's going to be some like Sirosia um, slave Evan or something like. There's going to be in the future. Seems like there's going to be some sort of a slaughtering of the Etzara. That it's um, you know, Pesukim talk about that. Like Umaltem is our less of Avchem. Then Hashem going to circumcise the foreskin of our hearts, and there's going to be a time where the whole world is going to be filled with knowledge of God, and something like again, we have to analyze. I'm not answering your question exactly as part of the question, but I think at least in a general way, it means there will be a time where we will, so to speak, um, the Etzara will be somewhat of a thing of the past. And we'll be able to look back at it and it'll be slaughtered. It means like it won't have its full sway over us. And there will be a world order which will be um, in which we will have like domination over the Atara. But at the same time, we will look back and like eulogize it and cry about it. Yeah. Right. Really on what I'm saying too, the yeah. of, of doing a shrita on this thing mm-hmm. is very particular. It's not just that God's killing it but there's like a shvita process that's going on here, which, right, right shvita makes something, makes the the, uh, the animal mutter to eat, right? So that, right. that's right. very backwards of, of a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And if the shvita, I, I don't know if this is just like a normal shvita or if this is a shvita that's specifically like referring to like a korban type phenomenon. Right. Uh, and if it is referring to a korban, like phenomenon, right? So then what is the idea of of that as well? Right. Um, yeah, that's a good question. That's interesting. I'm not so sure. Like, um, I don't really know. Like, for example, when you say shochet is one of the avos malachos, right? I, let's say you you kill it in a manner which isn't shochet, you know, ritual slaughtering, but just killing. I'm not. I'm just not sure if the word shlita is used exclusively for like ritual slaughter, mm-hmm. which permits it to eat, or if the word sometimes just refers to slaughtering, you know, killing it. Well, I'm not the- sure. I, I hear you your question. I'm just not 100 percent sure. Well, I mean, there are cases in like in like halacha where like they we use the terminology of like you shecht it and it turns out to be a trefa. So like, did you really shecht it? Like you did the action of cutting the snack, but. If it's a trade, right? So, well, Novella, but yeah, right. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm just not sure. It might be. It might be a good question. I'm just not sure. But we, we, could, you know, we can think about it. I'd say it's a kind of question that if you have a good answer for, then um, great. But if you don't, then you know. Um. Uh, yeah, I had another question about. Uh, it's interesting that this is. I mean, we're bringing in this this Malmar to uh, understand. Why you would make a hefsid for it, uh, for the Itahara, for shafting the Itahara. Um, right. see how this all fits in. Like, it doesn't seem like this is a, like, this is a het, like, this is a hefsid. Um, like, uh, right. uh, the tzaddikim looking back and looking at the pain it took to uh, overcome this, 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 you know, great challenge and crying over that isn't a hefsid for, in the, in the way that we usually think of hefsid. Right. Like, you talk right. about that's true. The person you say like these were their accomplishments. You talk about them. You don't talk about like how much you overcame this guy. Um, like and that's a yeah, mistake. right. That's a good question. I like that. Also, I mean, okay. Good question. Like they're not talking about like maybe it's closer to like a husband, but like it's it's still talking about like their shortcomings in regards to the dead thing, not like right. Yeah. Right. Really yeah, good to, to answer the, the question of right it, it's calling this a husband and then it says it should be happy and then it says oh the really this is what they're doing they're crying over this 
right? They're crying over the, for the tzaddikim, the mountain, and for the rasham, the, the string. But that still doesn't, that doesn't tell you, well, first of all, it doesn't tell you whether or not the crying is happy or sad. Uh, it could be either. Right. Um, but it doesn't really answer the question of why is it called a hesped, which is the question that the Kamara is right. bothered by. Right. So then, I mean, to tack on to that, right? Uh, yeah. Like Rashi at least explains that it's not a happy crying. It's a, it's a, it's a crying of remembering Tsar. So well, the question, I'm saying the Gemara's question, though, is, uh, is it should be happy. And the answer is no. Well, is crying over Tsar necessarily um, a bad thing? I mean, okay, Rashi says, Shaniskarim Bitsaram, that they remember the pain. Shahayalahem Lechosh, uh, Russia has that they that they uh that, that they had yeah I think that they have that they were fighting or overcoming this Russia in their life right. like, to me it doesn't sound like it's happy reliving past torments is not a happy thing no no it's it's not supposed to be happy the more is, that's the kasha the more is asking is that why is it a husband shouldn't they be happy but the pasuk is saying it's a husband which sounds like it's sad but the, 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 the you know burying the etzahara seems to be a source of happiness not sadness. So saying, no, 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 there was sadness because they're reflecting on all the pain which they had. So that, the thoughts about that pain is saddening. So it is a husband. It's not, it's not a joyous occasion. It's a sad occasion. Even though it's good that it's slaughtered, but they think back and they look back at this great mountain of uh, travails that they had, and that, that's a source of tsar or husband-like reflections. So then uh, I would ask... Can I, can I ask a general question? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, why is Hashem doing it? You know, um, seems like it's like no one's happy about it. So why is it? Why is what? why is Hashem? I don't, you're a little choppy. Is it choppy for everyone else, or is it just choppy for me? Yeah, I, I, I think it was less choppy for us though, because I, I heard his, his question was. Uh, was why is Hashem doing this? It doesn't seem like it's uh, making anybody. It doesn't seem like it's doing any good for anybody. Like at least. Oh, right, right. Why is he slaughtering? You mean why is he slaughtering the Yeah. 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 Right. Right. So, right. Well, it couldn't be. Look, ultimately, it's good. It's just like there is, uh, you know, there's maybe moments of sadness, like you know, or there's something sad about it, and maybe the initial response is one of sadness. But I mean, I hear, I hear you're asking. Good question. But I mean, on the surface, look, destroying the Atara is good. It's good for the world. It's good for everybody. Just that there is a type of sadness which accompanies that. Yeah. Also, how does this produce sadness exactly? I mean, Rashi explains that it's over their their sorrow. Right. Um, and I, I, are they, what are they sad? Are they sad about that they had these sorrow? Are they sad about that they weren't able to accomplish things because of their, like, because right. of, like, and, and then right. how specifically to the mountain? Right. Um, yes, I agree. It's not clear, right? It's not a clear thought. Yeah. I guess to add to that, to me, it's a strange thing. You, you finally vanquish a very strong enemy. You recognize how strong they were, and then you... Immediately start thinking about all the pain that you had. I know, like, I know, it's true. Like, like, I mean, like when you like, let's say, like when David killed Og, they weren't all like sad because Og like terrorized them. They were like, "Yay, we got rid of this." Oh, yeah, right. Right. Like, well, right. to me, like, it doesn't seem like that's the that's the if you will, like appropriate response to overcoming an obstacle is to say, "Wow, let's okay. break down and think about all the times that we like." were hurt by this thing and now this is going to totally crush us like to me like i'd just be like oh, this is great you know it's like, it's like right. right 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 agreed agreed good question good question yeah and okay are the the rishayim and the sabikim are they crying fundamentally about the same thing and they just see the same thing differently or are they crying about two completely distinct things well the good morning sound like a second you know because it says the, the Tzadikim, they cry and they say, oh, how are we able to do this? Like, look, that we, that we, were, that we were able to overcome this great mountain. And the Rishonim cry and say, how was it that I wasn't able to even overcome this little string? But it, it, both of their crimes is, is seemingly related to the, 
nature. Yeah, the difficulty of the um, of the HRR. Meaning, are, are you, well, I just want to know if you could unify them. Are they are they unifiable? Yeah. Are you interpreting? Yeah. Okay, good question. Something that's hard to see, or are you saying that it's like just a flimsy material that I could easily overcome? Uh, it sounds the second well, way, but I could see you saying it's it both. It's like it's such a small string, I can easily break it. Right. So then it sounds like they're crying about two different things, then, right? Um, but look, can we analyze? Can we analyze that itself? What about the way that the uh, the Sadiq and the Rishan perceive the attack? Can we analyze that. Yeah, yeah, I think about yeah. that. Yeah. Do you have any questions about that? Well, for one, why are they seeing the Sahara differently at the right? Right. Why are they seeing it differently? I understand Sadiq and had a better time conquering the Yitzhahara. But wasn't it the same? What? Wasn't it the same Yitzhahara that was present within both of them? Right. Right. I mean, if Hashem's revealing the Yitzhahara to them, why is it that they're, they're seeing two different things? Yeah. And I guess, like, right. is the Yitzhahara a massive mountain or is it a thin chut? Uh, right. I mean, which one is it? Yeah. Right. Okay, good. Good. And let me ask you this, is that if I'd ask you, who do you think would see the Yitzhahara as uh, bigger, the, the Tzaddik or the Rasha? I would have thought the Rasha. Right, know. because? Well, I mean, he was like, oh, it's such a hard obstacle to overcome. How could I ever overcome this, this, this massive obstacle? Right, right. You mean you think the Rasha and other people who have been stumbling on it all these years? You yeah. think to them, they see, wow, this is mad, this is massive. The tzaddikim are the guys who've been conquering it all this time. You think to them, they'd think of it as being easy, small, right? But it's kind of depicting a, an opposite view, yeah. right? The tzaddikim are seeing it as being a big mountain, and the rishayim are seeing it as being a little nothing, right? Yeah, it's funny. Well, it is funny, and it is uh, like the, the event that's happening here is a revelation of what the Yitzhahara actually is. So it makes sense that the thing that the Rashaim were seeing in their life was not the actual thing. And it makes sense that talking, keep talking. the Sadiqim, what they were seeing in their lives was not the actual Yitzhahara and like in its right. entirety. Right, right. I understand. You mean that Sadiqim previously didn't realize that it was such a big har, and now that they're realizing it, they're—it's a new revelation, and this is what's shocking them, causing them to cry. And yeah. the Rishayim previously the opposite. They previously didn't realize that it was a chutzasira. They previously thought of it maybe like a har or something. Previously the opposite, right? And now it's being revealed to them. That it's really like Kharasaira, and they're like, ah. Oh. Yeah, it, for me, it seems it's like, like they're, uh, their perspective switch. They swap. Each, each side is now able to appreciate the other group's side. Well, I think right. it's, a, it's an interesting thing, like uh, like the shock of the, of the Tzaddik. Because, um, I mean, well, no one's like born at Tzaddik in that sense, right? So, so there was definitely right. all that way, but also it's like interesting. Like I know, like for myself, like if someone asks, like, "Oh, how do you work on this meta? How do, how did you get to be like this?" I'm like, I don't know. It's just a lot of like time. I don't really think about it that much. But then, like, right. it was sudden, like revealed to me in a moment, like all of the struggles I had to have with this one thing, I'd be like, "Oh my god, this was like so difficult." And like I could see like why like the initial reaction would be to break down. Yeah, for right. me, the image of a mountain for the tzaddikim is very. It does ring very true because when you're looking at, and I have this experience when I'm hiking, when you're looking at the top of a mountain from the bottom of the mountain, like it's moving right. over you. And like it feels like such a massive thing. Once you get right. up to the top of the mountain, I have like climbed 14ers where literally like the entire world is sprawled out between you. You're like, the way how it had been built up in my head does not conform with like. I was able to get up to the top of this mountain. Right. And so, right. Okay, good. 
you kind of lose the perspective of how big it was when you first started going up. Okay. Good. Good. So you're saying is that okay? Good. So 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 why don't we try to narrow down? I guess so. So I think it's it's good steps is that that in their lifetime they've got opposite perspectives, right? In their lifetime, the tzaddikim, in a sense, see it as a chut ha and their shayim see it as a har. So something like that, right? Or certainly in, in those vicinity. Yeah. Right? And then, then there's a revelation at the end, right? So, so what's the... Like, could we define a little bit about those two perspectives? Like, what is the perspective of... So to speak, to view it that way, and what is the perspective of the Rasha? Like, what's you know, what is the difference, which in a certain sense maybe leads to the success of the Tzadik and failure of the Rasha? You know, before we get to, this is, I guess, my point is before we get to the revelation later and their response to it, it seems like there's a starting point which is different, which might help us understand the Tzadik and the Rasha, and maybe how we could try to be Tzadikim and Rasha and something like that, you know. Right, like in time, in time, in a certain sense, this once we realize that there's this switcheroo going on, it, it, I think it, it behooves us to first analyze the current, and only afterwards analyze the revelation, right? Because it's like it's first in time, and it's more the way we think about it, you know. Yeah. Okay, so let's try to do that. Yeah. I, I don't have a, an idea yet, but I think a hint might be in the difference between the mountain and the, the string. Because if it yeah. was a mountain versus like a molehill, right? So then they're talking in the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right, it's true. It's a funny, they're not quite parallel. Yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. That was a different thought. Yeah, so, okay. Well, what we're really saying is that during their life, right, the Russia sees the, the, uh, because, because at the revelation, he sees it as like a string, means that during his life, he pictures it as this, uh, this massive, uh, you know, uh, unovercomable, uh, uh, obstacle. And it seems to be that the, there's a kind of like telling us that that's not true, right? The fact that, that, that they see, it, in its reality as a uh, like this obstacle as just a string shows that it's not really such an obstacle as we're making it out to be. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well. To do the other okay. Thing. I have a, an idea for string. Uh-huh. Um, just, just thinking about like what strings are used for. And the okay. way I think Rishonim experience the Yetzirah is they, they experience it as something that like is tied to them. Um, and having, describing it as like a small string, like something that right. is easily severable. Right. I feel like there's some idea in that. Um, right. The Russia feels tied to his... Um, To his Yitzhara, whereas for the the um, the tzaddikim, um, a mountain is something that like is an external circumstance to you. Mm -hmm. um, correct, this is post, and um, I do think that it is a shift in like um, the the fact that they're they're both working in different objects. I think that that object that the objects are still changing in terms of, or I, I either you could say that the Sadiqim viewed it as a string prior and now they're viewing it as a mountain, or you could say they viewed it as like a small foothill and now they're viewing it as a mountain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to draw something out because there does seem to be something particular about string versus mountain here, and. The Gemara is tying mountains to Rashana uh, to, to, to Tzadikim and strings to Rashana. Mm -hmm. I wonder a little bit of a different of a different angle. And this is a yeah. bit, 
uh, cheating off of what the share that 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 your father gave. Um, but one okay. of the, one of the um, characteristics that was given to the Itzahara and that Gemara was that like kind of like spins a web, and that it's like right. it's a very subtle uh, uh, progression, if you will. And I wonder if there's something to be said that, about that here. Like a chut is like a very thin, you know, substance that you can't really, you don't really necessarily uh, uh, notice. And maybe the mistake that the that the Rishonim are making in their lifetime is they say, oh, this is a very large and obvious uh, obstacle, right? Like a mountain is a very, it is very large and it's very daunting, but at the same time, it's also very obvious. You know what's ahead of you. It's a big mountain. You have to climb over the big mountain. And it's not until they real it's not until it's revealed. So then they think that like, okay, I can interact with this thing and I can, you know, I can I know how the mountain works and, and like a mountain is not gonna move, it's not gonna play tricks on you. It's uh it's a stationary thing and it's you know, I, I can right. see this. And then it's not until like later when they when it's revealed to them that they're like, Whoa, I didn't know this guy at all. Like I I didn't know how to play the Itahara at all. Like it's been pulling my strings the entire time. Um right. Yeah, I was wondering if there's anything like you said about that. And then maybe the opposite is true as well. Like Sadiqim in their lifetime, like they're able to recognize that it's a very crafty and and like soft spoken uh kind of uh, uh puppeteer. And it's not until they've like uh I'm, I'm, there's a little bit playing with the imagery, but like it's not until they've been able to like carefully collect all these strings, like you know, like one at a time, and they look back and it's like a mountain of strings behind them. I don't know. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Can mm -hmm. I jump back to what I was saying? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm just thinking about the opposite of a mountain. And for me, the opposite of a mountain is a plane or a, a fine, the, the very opposite. But I'm thinking like a plane. And the way in which kind of we describe Sadiqim right, is that they're very yashar, like they have like a straight path. That they're right. right and so for them the way in which they experience the world is that like it's very flat it's very laid out and now they're mm -hmm. seeing uh when god kills the the sahara that what looks like a straight flat path really was not really had obstacles within right. it right right versus and then the the for me, the, like the opposite of a, of a small string is like a large rope. And the Roshan, like they feel tied to a specific thing. And th then at the end of when the, the Yetzirah is killed, they see that this thing that was tying them down was really not right. really tying them to whatever it was. Right. Okay. Now, are you, I, I'm not sure, I can't tell if you're playing with the imagery of like a string ties things together. Is that what you're saying? You're saying? Yeah. So the only thing is like, it says a chud hasaira. Chud hasaira is like a hair breath, like a string of hair or something, technically. Yeah. So I'm not sure if it's like used a string, which is tie, used to like tie things together as much as it's like a hair breath, you know? Like as flimsy, like a hair breath or something, like easy to break or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, just like uh, you know, it's like hard to yeah, so hard to get big. At the same time, yeah, for me, like it does have some specificity. Like, if you wanted to go for something very small, like right, you're gonna sand for me even more so than like a hair. Well, what would you have used? Like a grain of sand. Oh, I see. Right. Right, but if you're trying to get like a muscle, like you could just break through it. It's almost like there's uh, what's standing in your way is the tower, and you can just like break right through it, like a, like yeah. a strand of hair. Yeah, it can be. You know, it's like a line. It's like a line, which suppose like a mountain is in your way. Imagine like you're trying to get through somewhere. You know, you have a mountain in your way. You got a hair breath in your way. The hair breath, you just bust right through it, and the mountain is like a big, massive thing in your way. You got to climb over it, bore through it. Who knows? Yeah, okay, let, let me allow, let me develop a little bit. I mean, I'm developing things similar to you guys. I just want to spell out a little bit of a different angle, which is that 
See, the difference, like, is it a hair or is it a mountain, right? So I think maybe part of, like, the image of a mountain, like, I liked that you were painting a picture, Sean. It's like, you know, there's, like, steps. When you're at the bottom of the mountain, you see, like, steps and steps and steps and steps. And, like, it's, like, uh, looks infinite almost, you know? Like, you're never going to get to the top. It's, like, massive. But, and that is kind of the way when a person is, is facing some sort of a struggle or it's or whatever it is, it's like there's the goal seems to be like a mountain's away. It's like uh, impossible. He sees like where he's at now and he sees where he's at the way he wants to be. And he sees it as like this um, formidable challenge. He can never, he can never manage to conquer it. But on the other hand, there's like, you know, it's actually very similar to that. Uh, I assume you guys are familiar with uh, Atomic Habits. I know Rabbi Schneider talks about that a lot. You guys read that or not? Where yeah. you heard Rabbi Schneider talk about it? Yeah, I'm familiar with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, maybe like the other perspective is like on any given day, on any given challenge, you're not fighting a mountain, you're fighting a hairbreath. And there's like in any given challenge, you can just say, no, I'm not going to do that. It's always telling you to do it. And you say, I'm not going to do it. And it's like, in a certain sense, I feel like that, and that's like the atomic habits like uh, way of looking at it. It's like any one isolated challenge is just a small challenge. And you could just, you could, you could use your willpower, you could win any small challenge. And maybe that's kind of the perspective that Siddiquim have is like, they just, they live each day and they fight each challenge one at a time. And each challenge on its own is not all that hard. And it's, but the problem is, is when you compound all the challenges together in your mind, you look at it as like, you know, you don't differentiate the fact that you have like a million small steps and you just put them all together and you say, wow, that's a mountain. There's no way I'm ever going to reach that goal. There's no way I could ever, whatever the case, uh, ultimate goal is that you want to change or break your Tara or, you know. So it's like, maybe it's like part, that's part of what breaks the Russia is, is that, he, he, he can't get out of his mind. He, he, he mis- it's like an error he makes. And he kind of, he wants to beat the Yitzhara, but it's like part of every person wants to beat the Yitzhara, but it's too big for him. And he doesn't, he, he can't get out of this perspective of, of uh, looking at it like it's a big mountain and he's got a thousand steps to climb to get over it. And forget about it. He just gives up. But the Tzaddik, doesn't he focuses on the moment and he focuses on the here and now and what do i have to do today what decision do i have to make now in order to be able to um conquer the hr today and that's the decision which he could uh, he could do and it's true that you know there are a lot of them but there are not a lot of them on any one time at any one time it's only one of them so maybe it's like that's like part of the perspective which again we have to get a little further about this but it's like the, the russia you know, he puts them all together and he sees them as a mountain. And then Lassad Lavo, he's, he realizes, oh my gosh, it was just a error, you know? And that's what he feels terrible about, that he lost out because he, he made an error. And it becomes revealed to him the nature of the Etzahara and how there is a perspective of looking at it as a simple thing to break. And he just made a mistake. And the Tzaddik, and this is, I guess, a little bit harder we have to figure out, but the Tzaddik, it's like in a certain sense, he doesn't, he chooses not to look at the mountain in his lifetime because I think it, it will throw him off. Like the mountain, if you look at all the battles you have ahead of you, you get thrown off and you get scared and you get, you know, so he like doesn't look at it. He just fights each day for the, on that, on that hairbrush. But like at some point later when it's revealed to him or maybe when the power of the Atari is weakened, then he's able to look back at it. And maybe Hashem shows it to him what was really involved. And it's like he looks at those, all those battles and any one battle on its own was not that big. And he managed to break through. But when he looks at the life of challenges that he had and he puts, combines them together and he looks back and he realizes, wow, that was tough. You know, he, he fought each day strong. But when you look back, you know, there is a certain reflection on how immense the battles were all together. He just never quite looked at it that way because that perspective isn't helpful in his lifetime. That perspective on the country is what makes him, you know, makes him harder to challenge, harder to beat. Yeah, why don't I pause here and see what you guys uh, have any comments or thoughts about that?
Um, why would the Tzaddik not feel like accomplishment for having been able to make those decisions every day? Okay, you mean at the end? Yeah, at the end when he sees what, what it was. I know. Yeah, that's a good question. I know that's the weakest part of this whole thing. But um, I'm, I'm thinking maybe you guys can help me a little bit on that. But I'm thinking something like, maybe he also does. But it's like there's almost like a person, imagine a person's like running a marathon. I don't know. He runs a marathon and he manages to push and to push and to push and to push. And he keeps thinking one more step, one more step, one more step. And the way he gets through it is like he just keeps thinking of the moment and he doesn't think I've got another 25, 20 miles to go. But like when he's done with the whole thing and he looks back, it's like he's almost like held up a certain type of fortitude, which was somewhat superficial. Like and he's like in a certain sense, he didn't let himself. There's like an underlying struggle and pain of the big picture that he didn't let himself, you know, look at and, and suffer through and you know appreciate. And like when he finally is able to wins the day and the marathon, he collapsed when the marathon's over, he like collapses and he can't even move and he can't, you know, it's like this like pent up, you know, challenge. And it's like, he finally breaks. It's like, he comes to tears and he thinks that he's able to like think through all the challenges. I mean, he was proud that he did it. And arguably that's also part of it. Love isn't just sad entirely, but maybe there's like an initial reaction of like, just like he's like in tears, broken, like, you know, totally thinking through all the pain and suffering that he's gone through. And he hasn't quite let himself do that because it, it wasn't, it was counterproductive to what he was trying to push ahead. And like there's a, Hashem reveals to him and shows him just how powerful it was and just how much the totality of it was. And that knowledge in a certain sense, like, causes him to break down immediately. But I don't think it means in the long term that he feels this way. There's Aspen. But after the Aspen, you move on and you know you adjust the new reality. I still I definitely hear what you're saying and I still don't see the full piece of why God wants the Sadiqim to see everything is connected. Why well, he wants them to see what? Everything is connected. Meaning if at the end oh. of the day, the way in which the, the Sadiq experienced it was the uh, as, as like this hair. Oh. Right. And that's really the way in which we want people to be experiencing the Yitzhara. Why right. should we compounded sense when that's really like right. Yeah. Right. So I guess, so I guess I'm thinking is like, in a certain sense, truth is good. And in, in a certain sense that Sadiq has to ignore or not, not, not face a certain aspect of the reality of the Atar because it will break him to do so. So it's like, he has to, in a certain sense, like deprive himself of that way of looking at it. And the, but that is part of studying it, is to see it in that way. But it's like the, that perspective is it could be damaging them, and he chooses not to. But now that it's all done, now he could see it, and now he. And is that really something that the Itzadi can't see during his life? Meaning, I, I think a lot of times, especially that there is a um, a technique with people when they get overwhelmed. So what you're supposed to do is break down the thing that they're overwhelmed in into smaller parts. But in order to break something down into smaller parts, you need to be able to see the whole picture, don't you? Yeah, uh, but um, um, there, is a, there is sort of, sort of, but the part that, that's looking at the parts and, and breaking it down to in order to minimize it. But there is a perspective on it's a major challenge and there is a, there is a there was like like the idea like looking at all those parts there's something fake about that it's not quite like you just a hundred different battles it's like you know like for example you go into war and you fight a hundred different battles but i mean the battles have like an impact on you with time and it's not like there is a totality and the challenge isn't just a hundred different isolated battles but they they take their toll and like there is, 
there's an, a certain sense, like a type of minimization, which you do when you break it down like that. And, and like, you're not like someone could spin a picture and there's some truth to it, that quality they're overpowering and there, there's no way I could make uh, It's true. I went went hundred battles, each battle is a little battle. Yeah. But if my odds of success in each battle is a uh, percent, then I've got a hundred of them. Then it's basically, I'm, I'm, I'm doomed. Hopeless, you know, it's like too far. So, like, there is, there are hundreds of battles, and like, there is something, there's something like, um, you know, where you're, you're not, like, you're not focusing fully on the magnitude of the Azara and the magnitude of the challenge that you really have. Like, there's, there's a major challenge. It's not small, but you. you but there's like a, a, to truly focus on the magnitude of the challenge could break a person, and there's it's not it's not productive. And to a certain extent, you have to like you know I guess shield yourself from the full appreciation of it. And the only time you could see it honestly is when it's over. And that's the only time where it's safe. And the Yitzhara is too strong; it's too risky. And you can't really, you know, it, it could like the floodgates could be let down and you could get overpowered by it in a way that's you're not going to be able to. Like I said, like seeing their psyche in its full glory, if you will, could be risky. But, but you're in a certain sense, you're lacking the full knowledge. You know, like you're, you are missing out on certain knowledge, which you can't have. It's unfortunate that you can't have, but you can't have it. But loss and lava, when it's not so dangerous anymore, then you'll gain more knowledge and more insight into the, into what the Pulitzer is, the psyche of man, into what you've overcome, into the battle. And there's a type of knowledge which, you know, you, right, which you don't quite face and you, you can't quite face right now. And are you saying that this is the knowledge that they're crying over not having had um no no i'm not that, no the knowledge crying i'm saying is just because like they're when they see it it's like they it's like they're able like in a certain they always they sensed it and there was like this strength like this strength to which they held themselves up all along and now that it's over and they see they're able to see and experience all the all the struggles that they had and like one like when you show it to them they realize ah it's true i was holding up a, a mountain if you will this whole time and I, and i held it together but there's like something like um, overpowering like a overpower of emotion when you look back at all this all the pain the, the cumulative pain that you had to put up with and the fact you did but there's something like, um, I don't know, it's like tears, maybe it's somewhat tears of joy and pain. I don't know. It's like the emotion of seeing what you've been doing and you haven't been able to fully, you haven't been able to fully appreciate how bad it was. And now you're able to, and you like the emotions come, you like been holding back certain emotions of the struggle. The emotion and the power of the struggle has been, you haven't been able to face. And when you're able to face it, it allows, you know, like breaks you in a certain sense, causes you to you know tear up. And is that not more like a release than a hesped though? Is the hesped question? I mean, why is it called hesped? Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like that for me. If there was a tremendous weight that I was carrying, and I didn't really appreciate the tremendous weight that I was carrying, or the, the immense difficulty that I was going through, and suddenly, like, I see that I was carrying this thing and I just wasn't aware of it. And now that thing is gone, right? Cause God killed it. I feel like that's just like a release. It's more like a, a euphoric state than a Hespid state. Well, I'm saying is like, there's been like a type of a pain, like, like the way Rashi is depicting it, like there's all these sorrows that you had when you were struggling that you had all along. And there's like a type of a tsara that you were having all along, but you weren't able to, you weren't able to experience it. You've been in a certain sense bottling it up. 
And like, I don't know, imagine like, I don't know, think of an example, like um, maybe someone who's caring for a relative, their parent, and their parent is sick and they have to basically, it's very, very, very difficult. But when they're caring for this parent, they, um, they don't have a choice. They, they can't just cry. I mean, that's not an option. They have to be ready to act and they have to be, you know, preparing dinner and they have to be doing all the things they need to do. And like, if you break down, you're not going to be able to take care of them properly. But like, so there's like a pain which they're suffering, but they can't face it. In a certain sense, they have to repress it or like not, like not like to distract themselves from it because to see it, is like suffering it's just like they 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 prevent themselves from being able to experience it but it's there and it's bottled up and like when they when it's finally when the let's say when this the relative the finally dies it's like now that they might break down like crazy because it's like they're suffering all the pain not only just for the death of the thing right now for the relative right now but like of all the pain that they had they're holding in their whole life or maybe the opposite the person is cured and now that's it it's all over they're out of the woods now they're going to break down like all the pain that they had all along but they couldn't express it or feel it because to debilitate them now it's like been bottled up and now it's going to hit them like a ton of bricks because it's, it's there and it's just their psyche has been somehow putting up a wall and preventing them from being able to experience it mm-hmm. I, I certainly hear the idea and with Rashi, like the the Shemiskarim Bitsaram, Shehayalahem Lekovesh Harasha Zebachayehem, that seems more like they're actually reliving the experience. It's not like that the, the experience was repressed and now they're able to live through that for the first time. It's that they're actually going back to the um, the experience that they had the first time. And yes, yeah. but they didn't experience that as a, as a mountain. It's like they, 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 they specifically were not seeing the mountain the first time. Right, meaning, meaning, meaning the emotions weren't being processed. Like the experience of being in pain and the experience of, of, of fighting the fight, like that, that's definitely something that's real. But being able to sit there and process it all, through, right. being able to think it through, and, uh, like that's something that you can't do. Right. Is that scarring or that they feel? Yeah. Yeah, I mean they're mad. They're remembering it. When you're remembering it, you like you process it. Like part of remembering something is you allow yourself to process it. Part of like an analysis is like you bring up your memories, and you process them and you deal with them in a more healthy way. It's like you know when you repress things. That's part of what analysis is about: is to take these 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 experiences which you had and you weren't able to process appropriately, and you bring them back to consciousness and you remember them and you process them in a more healthy manner. And that, that healthy manner is cry about them. That's the nature of that healthy manner, which you weren't able to do all along. But there's like, yeah, there's, there's a pain that you haven't been feeling because you couldn't. But now you remember that. Yeah, it's remembering. Yeah, it's totally, it's memory. You're, you, you, you knew them, but you, were, you weren't fully facing them. And now it's time that you're able to. I'm not sure about the eulogy part, though. It's a little bit, I mean, it's explaining why they're sad and it's sorrows. It's funny to say, it's like, it's not, it's just kind of dealing with the positive or the negative. I, I don't quite know, like, what's, like, well, you're not giving aspect. I mean, I don't know, maybe, yeah, maybe you're talking about how great, you know, maybe there's like a certain type of a great, a certain sense, like an aspect, you're painting a picture of the person. And in a certain sense, maybe it's like, maybe it's like an, an, an allegory a little bit. I don't know if they're actually quite doing aspect. But it's like, you know, when a person's alive, you don't appreciate the full person for what they are. You know, you get caught in the moment and you can't really see who they are. And at the hospital, like you paint the picture and you look at the person in totality. And that's, you know, that's part of what you do at Aspen. And maybe that's kind of what happens at the Aspen is like they, they look at the Eight Sahara. They were previously not really looking at the Eight Sahara in its full light. And at the one that when it finally is gone, they're able to like give Aspen and to look at it and to learn and to see what it was and to see the nature of the battle. and but there's emotional tsar. There's knowledge, and there's what they gain from it. But at the same time, there's uh, there's a tsar, which comes along with it. But it's like, yeah, it's a sad painting of a picture, which brings sadness. But the Russia, on the other hand, he's like kicking himself a little bit, right? Because he's saying, "Is ah, oh, 
he sees the other. That's what's interesting. It's like the, in a certain sense, that's, that's like what I'm saying. In a certain sense, they're both true. There are two realities, which are like, there's like a co- corresponding realities. And they're both, you know, it's like a wave and a particle. If you know, like there's, they're both true. And there's just two perspectives you could have on it. You could look at it and see the whole mountain, or you could look at it and see the air breath. You can look at the instantaneous momentary battle, or you can look at the bigger picture. And it's like the Russia like shows or was seduced by the har. And but he doesn't have to be. He he could have seen the air breath. It just he didn't. And it's like when he it's like Hashem highlights that aspect of it and shows that to him. And it's like in a certain sense, he's he's uh, angry with himself. He's crying because he's saying, "Oh, that's it. I could I could have done that. I, I didn't realize that." The the, uh, the mistake of the Russia is viewing the the hate in the moment as the mountain. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. He's looking at the battle, the momentary battle. And um, right, the momentary battle, and because of that momentary battle, it is too big for him. He can't take a step today. And again, I really think this is the the. I mean, I read. It's been a while since I read that book, Atomic Habits, but I think that's kind of his point: is that people don't make changes because they think they think it's too big, and they're 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 deterred, they're, they're unable to do it because they look at the bigger picture. But if they were able to atomic habits to realize that change happens, if you make a small change every day, incremental changes, you end up becoming a totally different person and in the course of a year or whatever. So it's like the Yetzirah, it, like, it tricks part of the trick of the Yetzirah. It's like, there's no way you're going to be able to change because you can have to, well, you think you're going to be a tzaddik? You think you're crazy? What do you think you are? You're, you're not, you're, that's not you. You do X, Y, Z. You're an alcoholic. How are you going to stop? You do whatever it is. You're not that type of a person. And like you think like where you want to be, there's such a big distance between where you are and where you want to be that you just give up. And the, the tzaddik is able to say, where, where do I want to be today? The question isn't where I want to be in a year from now. You can't go from today a year from now unless you do all the days in between so it's whatever i mean obviously i chart a course based upon the future but ultimately today's battle is the hair breath battle is you know and any one battle any one battle i feel like people any one battle i think a person could win not so hard it's the fact is like you just know it's the same battle you're going to fight today and then you have to fight again tomorrow 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 so what are you going to do you're going to win every single one say so, yeah whatever you might as well just give up it's like i think it's like the it's the fact that you look at, you look too big, you bite off too big of a piece. You consider your challenge from too big of a perspective instead of isolating the challenge to the moment. What about that the, uh, this is different. Yeah. What about that the, what do you make of that the, um, the Bain and them aren't invited? Like it could be, it could have just said, like, <laughs> slaughter stood in front of everybody, and then you get the report from the Tzadikim in the... But it seems to make a point of saying that the Bainanim aren't invited. You're saying, you're, like, adjusting a little bit. It doesn't say that they're not invited. You're just saying, why aren't they there? Why are they noticeably absent? That's what you're saying? No, it says, it says that even he brought them to... Uh, uh, does it say that? I guess it doesn't say oh, they're not it. there, but... Oh, right, that's what I was asking. It doesn't explicitly say that. You mean, right, what are like, the main... Like, there's like two organizations extended, Bifnei Rishayim, Bifnei Rishayim, Bifnei Rishayim, You don't have to start there. You could have just started. They slaughtered the Yetzirah, right. and here's the report of it. He's usually the two years. Right, right, right. I understand. That's a good question. I mean, it could be is look, what in theory in, in this model, Bain and them are people who kind of oscillate. They sometimes look at it, you know, in the day by day, and they sometimes look at the heart. Sometimes see this other they have breaths and sometimes see the heart. Right. They kind of jump back and forth. So I mean, I guess in some, I don't know, maybe they do see the, you know, the I would think is a in this vantage point, I think like 
in a certain sense, the Bainini has like a Russia and Tzaddik within him. And like that, that, that part of him, like, I don't know, in a certain sense, he oscillates, but there are those two perspectives. And I feel like he doesn't truly appreciate either of them. You know, so whereas the Russia embraces one and Tzaddik embraces the other, the Bainini kind of oscillates between the two. But I feel like the fact that he's oscillating between the two, it's like he's not quite perceiving both of them either. And maybe he has, in a certain sense, both revelations also love. Or maybe he's like partially sad in both, in both angles. I think. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm saying it's like picking the Russian and the Tzaddik as like the paradigms, because that's where the lesson is most strong. But I feel like everybody is really, you know, they're, they're in a certain sense archetypes. Everyone's really somewhere more along the middle, somewhere in between. And, you know. All right, Peter? Yeah. Can you just say that, right, because this is happening during Imos HaMashiach, that at that point, you're either in one camp or the other? Um, yeah, that, that's interesting, right. That's interesting. That exists before Mashiach. Once Mashiach comes, then, like, right. you're right. in the Benoni stage, and now either you're right. in Saudi Arabia or you're Russia. Right, right. Differentiates between the men and the boys. I mean, everyone ends up on one side or the other. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like, is this the Rishayim, like, before they die, you just show it to them? Is that the idea? It's not clear, like, where the Rishayim going, you know? Is this part of their uh, preparation for Ganem or something? Like, it's not clear how this, uh, you know, where they're going to be, uh, you know, before they're eradicated, this happens. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. Maybe, maybe, like, maybe you don't have Bain in them in, in the Olamaba. <laughs> I hear that. Olamaba doesn't have a room for it. It's either, you know, everyone, it becomes the events leading up to Olamaba. The Lassid Lava differentiate and, and force everybody to decide, so to speak. Yeah, maybe that's right. I, I hear that, Sean. Yeah, so what about the Shlita thing? Uh, is there, back to your original question, Sean, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't noticed that before. Is there any thing of the Shlita as opposed to just killing it? I don't know. I don't know either. Just slaughtering it and... Um... You know, it could be is that... Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Maybe it's like a reference to the Kedusha a person would have without the uh, the Itahara. Like, sort of how, like, uh, the meat is like... There's a Kedusha withdrawal by, like, sexing the meat. So, like, a person who isn't affected by Itahara is only going to make good decisions. So like getting rid of the Yetzirah is maybe some sort of removal. Right. Right. Okay, I'm thinking similar, I think. That, see, it's, it's not that the Yetzirah is dead. Like the Yetzirah, let's say, is like the instinctual nature of man. It's not dead. It just becomes edible or usable, if you will, in a productive way. It's like you, you can get, like, your, your instinctual nature is, like, it's still going to be there, Lazar Lava. It's just not going to be overpowering. It's going to be, like, you're, you'll be able to use it. So it's, like, in a certain sense, the, you know, the Itar is just, like, your instinctual nature. But it's going to be in a state where it's usable in a productive manner. Like, you're still going to have kids, for example, and you're still going to, like, again, it's not clear what this talking about, but, like, let's say it's Yemel's Mashiach or whatever. It's like, it might, you're still going to have that nature. It's just going to be, it's going to be, start, like, the, the force is going to be hard as me circumcised. It's going to be less powerful, and you're going to be able to you relate to it in a more productive way. So it's, it's not, it's like, it's not that it's dead and dead. Rather, it becomes converted into, like, a new form, which is usable, if you will. You like that? What's that? I like that. You like that? Okay, yeah, I do also. Yeah, there's a thing later which says that it's going to be brought in a place where it, more later, it says it's going to be brought into a place where it can't, um, where people can't, where it doesn't entice anybody, something like that. It's a funny lashon, but it's like brought into a place where it doesn't arouse or it's not Megara against people. And this I wanted to say is like, it will be there, but it, it's like, like, you know, like Rabbi had shot about like um, the Yitzhahara, like Kodamachet, you know, like um, 
before the chet, yeah, what's his name's um, Adam's Yitzhara was like internalized, ex- externalized. It's like when he saw Chava, he desired her. But when he didn't see her, he didn't. So it's like our Yitzhara right now is in a very powerful form. But at that point, it will be it will be there, but it won't be in a, in a way that will be able to take us down in the same way. So it will be like more, more. it won't be as, as sneaky. But like if a person wants to have kids, he could arouse his sexual instinct and be able to have kids. It's not like it's not going to exist. It just won't be so, you know, powerful, devastating. Yeah. Okay, so um, I guess this is a decent place to stop. There's, I mean, there's a few. This tomorrow continues. It continues. I don't know we have to decide if we want to continue this at some point or not, or we can just go back. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. You know, it's, it's good to think about these things. I know you did a lot of this stuff with Rabbi, not this particular thing, but this type of thinking with Rabbi Zimmer last year. But um, you know, I think this stuff is. It's important to think about. You know, obviously, everyone has the guitar and everyone struggles with the guitars, and it's you know. So it's always good to gain insights into these things. So I don't know. We could talk about it. Well, if we want to continue this or not. What's that? Okay. Okay. So you can stop the recording and um, have a good one. This, so this one, they're working out on the, on the phone, on the driving. I'm almost there. All righty. Okay. Have a good one, everybody. Good night. Thank you.